0: Welcome back to another episode of the Thoughtful Christianity
1: Podcast. I am Jay Broom and Josh. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I know I told you before, but I'm I'm in a beach house, which is nice. It's a uh, it's a little bit of a sketchy setup right now. I'm glad that you can see me and that we can record. Um, but I'm not complaining, of course. Yeah, I know. It's uh, it's a shame. It's not a little sunnier out, but
0: you know just hanging out at the beach house or something about it that just in and of itself is quite relaxing
1: yeah my dad like before we were leaving was like hey josh i think you need to bring a book because you might get bored and i like leaned in and whispered in his ear i've brought four sorry (laughs) not four i brought nine i brought nine books jay what is who hurt me why do i do this i'm not gonna read nine books but i do I brought nine.
0: Yeah, Yeah. that's funny that your dad even, um, he he thought you you may have forgotten to do that.
1: (laughs) I know, I know. Yeah, so we actually, we just, I was a little bit late to meeting with you. I was playing ping pong. There's a ping pong table here. And so it was a family event. I beat my granddad and then I beat my mom, my sister, my dad, and then my granddad beat me. but it's been i got to say it, it has been nice and relaxing and no one's been in this beach house since december so like there's no like quarantine uh crisis going on so it it's been nice uh and i'm glad that we've been we can do the podcast i was worried about that for a little bit but enough about me living on the beach how are you doing jay i can't complain
0: uh per usual yeah i was able to spend yesterday down at the beach virginia beach is finally Uh open. So I went down there and hung out, read a book at at the beach (laughs) before usual. Um what book do you bring? I bought or I brought a book called The Age of Entitlement, which talks
1: about You were telling me about that one.
0: Yes, it is interesting. It's about uh the nineteen sixties and like legislation passed for like civil rights and things like that, and how it kind of opened up a loophole in on the way like the third The 14th Amendment is interpreted, and so it's kind of shaped American policy and, like, the developments in American politics since the 1960s. So That's interesting. Quite interesting, indeed. You know, just a casual beach read.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my sister, Jordan, hates it when I don't read fun books on the beach. How dare you? But I'm reading... Yeah, I'm reading uh, According to Plan, which is a biblical theology textbook. But it's, dude, I'm I'm having fun. There so you go. know what? No complaints here. Yeah, she's reading Jurassic Park, which was my recommendation. But I'm having fun with my biblical theology book. Anyways, <laughs> wow, I'm I a know, nerd.
0: I think this has been the most you know um, casual conversation we've had to lead off the podcast far but you guys are welcome you know you guys are peeling back the layers (laughs) on the onions that josh and i are Mm. (laughs) (laughs) so (laughs) yes that's exactly it anyways
1: what are we talking about today well you know we started this series yes uh last week uh on the solas and Since it's been posted, I realized that I know a lot of people who had never heard of the souls before. And I guess, you know, if you have heard of them before, you feel like, oh, of course. But if you haven't, I mean, you you know, what is it? Uh, And so it's been interesting just like having conversations about like, oh, like for many, this is the this is what it means to have a Protestant theology. You know, like these are this is a good summer uh, summarization of what we protested for. Uh, so yeah, so we're talking today, we did Sola Scriptura last week and this week we're doing Sola Fide by faith alone, which I am very excited about. We're going to have a good time. Uh, so Jay, why don't we just start off by, I asked a question, uh, last week to you about what your like first impression of this doctrine was. And I'd like to throw that at you again, if that's all right. I just I think it's interesting because we've we've clearly heard of the, these before we studied them. You know, hearing comes before believing. Uh, and so I I just I'm interested when it comes to like these Latin terms that we get to know. What what were you thinking about when you or kind of originally were conceptualizing sola fide?
0: Sure, Uh The big picture is again: we're saved by faith alone, apart from kind of any other. And this is kind of what separates Christianity broadly from maybe most other world religions and things like that. It's you know, it's not so much what we have to do, right? It's it's not based on works right and again i think about the various bible studies growing up where the james 2 passage right where it's like Mm -hmm. faith and works like which is it and so um that's kind of big picture
1: but little did
0: i know there was much more uh beneath the surface with this one yeah
1: oh definitely i think all of them we're gonna have some interesting conversations but i'm specifically excited about this one um Because I feel like there's just – there's a firm foundation so we can kind of talk without that, without, like, having to, like, be very careful and maybe more, like, structured. Uh, So it'll be fun. Jay, let's just start off by – so we talked about the solas and we say, oh, this sums up Protestant doctrine, or at least we hope – we wish it did. Uh, In general, it has. And it started, it's a summary of the Reformation movement. So in history, what do we what do we have? Like what is it that Sola Fide is an answer to or a, a rebuttal of?
0: So I think this is a good point to insert a little quote that I found by one Martin Luther. Oh, who's that? Yeah. Um so it says it which in this case is kind of the doctrine of justification by faith alone, Mm -hmm. is the article on which the church stands or falls. So I think that is a very just good way to think about this. It kind of sets the gravity of what we're talking about because again, it's, Upon which the church stands or falls. So, if you don't have justification by faith alone, you don't have, I, well, there's no purpose for the church. And yeah. R.C. Sproul even talks about this in um, an article around Ligonier, where, yeah, and that same kind of idea where it's all or like kind of an all or nothing proposition, right? This idea yeah. that, like, Without justification by faith alone, there is no gospel. And without no gospel, there's no purpose for the existence of the church. So um, yeah. kind of a big, big hinge that we're swinging on here.
1: Yeah. And it's funny you mentioned Luther. Uh, Luther famously translated the Bible into German, right? Mm-hmm. New Testament. And I believe most of Old Testament, I don't think he finished. Um by the way, he did it while in quarantine, so that's interesting. What have we done in quarantine? Not, uh, not translated the German Bible, that's for sure. Um, but he famously in um, in at least one passage, I believe it's Ephesians two eight, but it might have been another. He the the Greek is just "pistos," which is faith, right? And he translated it in German, and he added "allein" alone. So. Luther actually translates the Bible and he adds alone to a description of being saved by faith. And he goes ahead and throws alone in there. And the reason why he does is he argues it from this is necessary for German language. Like this is how they talk. And then second, he argues it theologically of this is clearly what the passage is teaching, is that this is faith as opposed to works and therefore faith alone. But it is interesting, you know, like Luther kind of adds to the Bible in this to better help us interpret the Bible. But he was a he was speaking out against something too, right? And I know that you've looked into this a little bit, which I think is awesome. Uh into kind of some of the sacramental theology, right? Maybe not a deep dive, but a little bit. Uh what have been the results of your little splash in the in the puddle? So I want to make sure I don't know if it's a deep dive.
0: We want I want to make sure we don't use too many crazy words. So
1: Please quickly tell what we mean by sacramental theology. So sacramental theology began, if you're Catholic, you think it began in the time of Jesus or earlier. But for a Protestant, we'd say it clearly began in the medieval period, around the thousand year mark, the 1000 AD, uh, or maybe a little bit later. And essentially what it is, is it's a way of viewing salvation through the concept of sacraments. Now, if you're not a Catholic, you might know the term ordinance instead, or you might not know the terms, you might just understand uh, baptism and the Lord's Supper. Now, Catholics have seven. They have, let me let me see, let's see if Church History 1 and 2 have helped me uh, retain information. Baptism, which is when you were born, infant baptism, right? Uh, there is confirmation, which is number two, that is because you're born into the church. Now you have to be confirmed to, in fact, be a believer in the church. Um, Then you have Lord's Supper. So when you're confirmed, you now can take the Lord's Supper, which you'll have, I think for many, it was every single week. Uh, So that's three, right, Jay? Yeah, three. Uh, After the Lord's Supper, you would also, whenever you sinned, you would confess, which is not a, a sacrament we sometimes think it is but it's a sub sacrament meaning that it is part of the sacrament of penance your priest would tell you hey this is what you do to show your loyalty to god uh in the face of your sin am i on four have i you, done for you've talked you've said for this is number five. okay cool This number five. Then it splits. The Catholic Church has a very serious divide between laity and clergy. And so lay people get married. That's a sacrament. Uh, Clergy get ordained. That's a sacrament. And so in Catholic thinking, you can't do both, right? Clergy must remain celibate. Uh, Married people can't be clergy. And then so that's six. Here's the seventh is last rites, which is a, a last blessing before you die. Uh, it's usually in the moments before death, but sometimes it's in the the time coming up towards that time. And that's the seven sacraments. And through that lens, the Catholic Church in in history, but I would argue from my understanding of it, the great thing about the Catholic Church is that they tell you exactly what's inspired and what is authoritative for their church. And so you can hold them by that. In my understanding, this is still in place in very much the same po- way that it was in the count in uh, the Reformation era. And so they view sacraments and salvation through that lens.
0: So you're saying, I guess, because on our list here, I was counting. So baptism or an ordination are like two separate ones, but
1: that's like an either or proposition. No marriage and ordination. Oh, I'm sorry. What did I say? Baptism. Oh, gosh. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> so the babies either become clergy or they become baptized.
0: <laughs> yeah, either or. Um, okay. Infant clergy. Bold move, Catholic Church. Okay. So marriage and ordination are individual ones, but you can't t- partake in both. Okay, got it. And so I guess, wow, roundabout, um, for my own lookings, to get back to your original question. Um, yeah. It's... Interesting. I think as Protestants, you generally have this kind of generalization that, oh, well, like, we believe in salvation by faith alone, but all the Catholics will tell you, I believe in works plus (laughs) faith, right? And like, they're all about works plus faith. Um, But it's not, that's not the case. Uh, You know, the Catholic people are, you know, like, most of the resources I looked at, you know, again, they're very... They're very, you know, scripturally based. I are, you mean, I think that was something that I was like, wow, you know, these guys do a very good job of going back to the Bible and saying, you know, here's what we believe and here's why. Because it says it in the Bible, right? And obviously, I think I found myself disagreeing with some of the particulars of the way they interpreted it. Yeah. But, you know, they're, they're starting from the right foundation, which I think is better than a lot of people out there. So, yeah, I think it's also important to say at this point that we probably are going to be talking quite a bit today about the Catholic church and their beliefs. And so it's important. I think we, we both seek to represent the views correctly, not to, you know, build the straw man and say, Oh, well, that's so silly. And that's so dumb. Um, we want to make sure that we are again being consistent with what their church actually teaches. And obviously yeah. we understand this the same way in our denominations where it's like, just because the official position of the church is one thing doesn't mean every individual person that says I'm a Catholic believes that either. So um, yeah. for those of you out there listening that might be Catholics, uh, if you do find uh, maybe something what we are saying to be incorrect or you take contention with it, please do reach out to us because uh, we are happy to, to learn more and engage in perhaps more conversation. So,
1: yeah, I think I think that's a really important thing to say. You know, the best way to correct someone is to represent them correctly. Yeah. If you if you're straw manning them, you're not going to convince them to change their position because you don't even seem to know their position. Yes. Um, so we're going to do our best. And and I think we'll be safe in, in stating that, like, oh, of course, we're referring about the church at the in the 1500s, the Catholic church in the 1500s. I'm going to contend that there hasn't been that much of a change, but again, we are saying a historical thing. And so I think we're, we're more in safe waters that way, you know? Mm. Uh, But Jay, I think that one thing that, that sometimes people look over is how much uh, a a very positive view of, of man is embedded in this idea of the Catholic church, Um, you know, as a Calvinist, Total depravity is just clear to me in the scriptures, and most Christians in the Protestant denomination they do not hold a total depravity, but they hold to some form of depravity. Catholic Church uh, is famous for Aquinas' argument of facere quod in se est, which is Latin for "do the good that is in you." Right. So, what what do we learn from that statement? Uh, first, there's good in you. Second. You can do it. (laughs) And third, good things will happen when you do the good things that are in you. You must do what is already inside of you, which is good. Uh, And that's part of what we're going to play into when we look at this is we're going to look at this and say, okay, what is the Catholic church doing? Well, a lot of it really does relate to a high view of man. Uh, and that, that has tendrils into natural theology. It has tendrils into salvation. Uh, So one thing we shouldn't do either is to present the Catholic system as overly simplified. You know, this is a church that has actually, because of their view of tradition, they've developed in very serious ways over a lot of years. Uh, So, Jay, let's talk a little bit just, uh, we've talked about them, about, we've talked about talking about them. (laughs) <laughs> but let's talk about them. <laughs> what is it that the Catholic Church did, or believed, or argued that Luther uh, kind of came up against? And, and when we're going to probably say Luther a lot for the listeners who are saying, "Is Luther really the only person in the Reformation?" He's kind of a figurehead, but of course, we're including many, many reformers who are following that. So, caveat aside, Jay, what are we? What are we actually talking about here with Catholics? So, we say faith
0: alone. So, it implies that there is something, faith plus something, right? And so, that's kind of where we run into trouble. And again, as we said, the Catholic Church doesn't come out and say, oh, we believe that you earn your way to heaven, right? Mm -hmm. Um, They do not say that. But it was my understanding that... They believe you receive salvation without, you know, you don't earn the gift of salvation or justification. You do not earn that in any sort of way, right? God is, you know, has revealed himself and there's nothing that about you or your actions that calls you to receive that. However, once... Yeah there there seems to be a, a kind of a almost like a discontinuous function. If you're thinking about it in a math, in a math term, right? Or a piecewise function. Do you want to think about it in math? <laughs> the terms. engineers coming out. <laughs> um, where after you achieve like salvation at a specific instance, you then have to maintain that justification. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, they, they view, to go back to what you were saying about sacramental theology, like baptism is like a conferring of the Holy Spirit, where it is mm-hmm. the, the act of getting, you know, I guess for them, they put, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, they baptize babies, so it's not necessarily a dunking yeah. in the water.
1: Um, a sprinkle.
0: Yeah, but for them, right, like there is power. For salvation in that act itself. And then after salvation, after baptism, like there's the notion of like, you now have the ability to do good works. However, there are things like mortal sins where you can lose your salvation. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of that, again, kind of flies contrary to the idea that it requires faith alone. In yeah. Christ's
1: death and resurrection, right? For our salvation. And i like to add to that. But, but first, Jay, I didn't call you on it. And so I'm going to call you now. You said a big word. And so I want you to define it. You got caught. Uh, you got to be quicker than that justification, Jay, you said justification. That's a big word. And you know, it's one that now to me is almost as simple and comes out as easily as air, right? But uh, I'm pretty sure I was like 18 when I first learned what it meant. So let's be careful here. What does it mean to be justified? And then when you answer, I'm going to tell you that you're wrong only because that's not what the Catholics define it as. But go ahead, give us that nice, sweet Protestant answer.
0: Justification is essentially, I think of it as when God looks at you, He, despite your sin, right, He you are justified. You have it's like you're good to go in his eyes. Like you think about just mm-hmm. isn't like justice. Like God says, God looks at you and it, it, he says, like, you know the record's clean on your behalf, right? Like there's no outstanding punishment that you have to pay, right? Um, Ray Comfort often gives the analogy where he's like, you know, uh, you go into court and you have a speeding ticket, but somebody else legally can come in and pay that for you. And then you're in good standing, right? That's, there's no further punishment. So I think that's how I view justification. Not very concise definition, Um,
1: that's not how my brain works. Um, but <laughs> I wish you guys could see the hand motions Jay just went through. It was it was something else. People that know me
0: can easily envision it.
1: <laughs> um, would you say that maybe a summary of that is God has declared you righteous? Yes. <laughs> it was
0: a lot less... Well a lot fewer calories <laughs> expended and a lot less, you know,
1: flowery prose. or Jay Save some air, man. Pros. Yeah. Uh, so if that's what you had said, which is what I thought you were gonna say, Catholics view it differently. They don't uh, they don't view it as as you were declared righteous. So Protestants say, you're not righteous, you are a sinful person, uh, you are broken depraved, again, not everyone would agree with totally depraved, but depraved, you're bad, uh, and you need a Savior. And I think, again, we can argue that's so self-evident, right? I mean, is that not, like, the clearest thing is we are sinful and need Saviors, uh, and in spite of your sin, God, in a moment, instantaneously declares you righteous on uh, by accepting Christ's atoning work, Right. Catholics do not see it that way. What Martin Luther was pressing up against is this idea that you were not declared justified. You were made justified. So God takes you broken, silly sinner, and you're baptized. Right. And that, that works away some of the effects of the original sin. And that brings you into church, brings you into salvation. But what you got to see, Jay, and this is interesting. I don't know if you saw this in your, your views is Catholics don't, again, and we are trying to be careful in that not all Catholics view things the Catholic way. Um, but we're seriously referring to the historical facts of the Reformation is um, you are brought into salvation. But what Catholics often will do in that period and before and after is they don't have a concept of sanctification. Justification is sanctification. So you're brought into the church And then you work your way to being someone who is, in fact, righteous. Uh, It's fascinating. Many Catholic tombs from that era have ladders on the inside depicted. Why? Because salvation is climbing a ladder. Every mortal sin, every venial sin, you go down a rung. Every charitable act, every display of faithfulness, not faith, but faithfulness, charity, which is love. Uh, supernatural love, I like that you said that when we were talking, and hope, right? Any of these acts, this good that is within you, you step up a rung, any sin, you step down a rung, Uh, and at the top, you are actually someone who is righteous in and of themselves, and therefore God declares you righteous after he has made you righteous. And Luther pushes against that because that makes salvation something that you enter into and then work to actually get to being saved. You're not secure. Uh, This is, and this might be a tangent, and we've talked a lot uh, without actually getting to the meat, but uh, it is interesting that this is why purgatory, from a Protestant view who says, I don't see any evidence at all for purgatory, this is, again, they would say, oh, it's in scriptures and tradition. This is why purgatory seems to exist and seems to have become a doctrine, is because what do you do if you don't reach the top of the rungs? What if you do if you're not worthy of being? declared righteous. Well, you serve in purgatory until you are. And those who, and and I like talking about this because there's so many Protestants who don't, have never really thought about why the Catholic church has doctrines like purgatory and sainthood, right? So what do you do if you, you, let's say Jay, that you reach 50 years old and you are worthy of being declared righteous. What do you do for the next 30 years of your life? Sorry, I put you at 80. I'm hoping much longer, but well, you're working up a merit. Uh, you're working up this well of merit. And so why do we pray to saints? Why do we get indulgences? Uh, the extra grace that they have accumulated can be imparted to others. So again, we're going way off of our uh, script, which we didn't even have a script. So, But we're going way off the reservation. But this is really interesting stuff. And it'll help us now. I think it's good to go ahead and transition, Jay. We're gonna to have to respond w- with faith alone, right? End of the day, we respond with no. There's no ladder. What I like phrasing it as: what is the what is the question that the sola answers, right? So for sola scriptura, I asked, "What is the final arbiter of truth? Sola scriptura scripture alone. So what is the final arbiter of truth? That's sola scriptura." what what secures us for salvation fully uh, in a in that we would say sola fide. Faith alone. Faith alone secures us into salvation. So Jay, let's spend the remaining half of our time. oh, we have more time than I thought. First things first, Jay, what is our what is our habit? What is our podcast's number one thing we talk about? What is it? Right. What is faith? Defining our terms. Yes. What is yes. what is
0: the faith in,
1: perhaps? Hmm, that's true. Ha does the faith. No, I'm kidding. Uh <laughs> who is yes, the faith? So first, who is the faith? Uh what is faith? Uh that's a pretty important question. Uh I'm I'm very nitpicky. I like to define my terms to the nth degree. So let's just start off with what in the world is faith? Do you have uh, something kind of to push us in that direction maybe?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the, you know, pithy term is something like, you know, believing without seeing
1: or... Mm, I've got a question for you on that, by the way.
0: Yeah, I know you're not going to... That's not like, I know that's not legitimate. That's not like accurate necessarily. (laughs) Um, But that's, you know, something that rings in my brain from like you know sixth grade <laughs> sunday school class or something like that so uh, <laughs> um which i better be careful because you know my sunday my sixth grade
1: sunday school teacher might be listening yeah i don't even remember who was my sixth grade sunday school teacher yeah and we joined classes at that point yeah that's right the big the big shift of gbc
0: <laughs> from two sunday schools yeah. to
1: one it was one Sunday school before service and one after, and I was after and Jay was before. All the what cool a, kids a, were after, like all. Little I think was, I was the like
0: it was me and like was it Terry or somebody like that? It the, was Terry. Were the two stalwarts of the early
1: session? <laughs> Shout out to Terry, by the way. Yeah, and Terry, you rock. Um, Big fan. <laughs> but um, see now we'll know if he listens. Yeah, oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, Got him. Not like he texts the server, but.
0: all right we're we we can not give the bash talk too much Um, (laughs) it just turned into a roast session i love it Um, anyways Uh, let's see but yes what is faith Um,
1: (laughs) yeah i'm really good at dodging these questions huh Uh, oh okay i have an i have a question that might be better do you want to hear that one do it. what isn't faith what What is not faith? faith oh gosh what what do we what do we sometimes say is faith or sometimes think is faith but isn't faith. I think that's kind of easier. Is that not easier? You seem like you're Um, not impressed by this question. What is not faith? (sighs) Yeah. What is man? What isn't faith? Can I start off and maybe see if you want to jump on? You probably go ahead. Go crazy. Faith is not purely mental assent. It's not simply accepting facts about reality. That's my first stop. Right. Mm hmm. Do you agree with that? Yeah. I know that that can be a little bit tricky for some people. Some people really argue something very similar to that. Well, I think, you know, there's like, again, like knowing facts, the world is
0: round, right? That's not faith, right? Or maybe it is
1: because mm-hmm. you never like actually like <laughs> observed it. And you Jay, know. we are not going flat earth on this podcast. <laughs> but we do not I, have enough viewers for that.
0: I will say there's a difference between knowledge and like belief right yeah in the sense that you know you can say like oh yeah like you know i don't have any fears in the world right and i i would you know jump in front of a speeding train or whatever but then like you know when the moment comes right you might be like
1: oh shoot like that's like i might die like i don't want to do that yeah and so yeah that's a good distinction well i i mean i think of that bible verse in james right doesn't james say like oh, you believe in God, you do well. The demons believe in God and shudder and they're not saved. Yeah. Uh, we clearly know that the demons are not saved. Um, another one that I would say is faith is not a uh, blind, irrational belief. It's not something that's, so it's not mental sin. It's not something devoid of of truth claim. Because uh, mm. I know a lot who, who say like, oh man, I just have faith. It's like, Oh, show me in the Bible where you believe what you believe. Uh, oh, I just have faith or childlike faith. And they interpret that as a child doesn't know anything. And so I'm not going to know anything, uh, which is a pretty sketchy interpretation of that passage. But so uh, another one that I would argue is that faith, not simply blind uh, any, any re- reply to that. Or do you have another one?
0: No, Add I don't have a
1: think, whole list. I'm going to go look think, for
0: it. I think you're right. Um, Again, like while like in the Bible does teach us that no one has ever like seen God, it's not like we are saying it's not like there's no proof whatsoever, right? And it's not again completely illogical. Faith is not a suspension of all rationality and logic in in believing whatever you're believing in. And I think yeah. we make another point, too, with Talking about the demons, how they they acknowledge that God exists, but they yeah. don't have faith they do not trust in him when he mm-hmm. when he's when he, he makes claims to who he is and the natural conclusions of what that means for our lives they do not agree with that right like yeah. they don't think that they need a right relationship with him, perhaps right they don't think they need There's no need for saving, right? Perhaps things like that. Yeah,
1: they hate him. Indeed, Uh, they don't have faith in him. They hate him. Um, I had one more not, but I mean, I don't know. I like. I feel like sometimes I really like answering questions by reversing it. I don't know why. It's like a weird quirk. I just like that. Uh, the The other not was just that faith is not um, a work. You know, I I have heard people who really walk that line. They don't mean to, but they see faith as this idea of like changing your entire life and and obeying God. And I think that those things are, we're going to talk about what the place of works are, but we have to be clear from the, from the get go. Faith is not this work where you change your entire life or where you promise all to God. Uh, It's not, it's not a in obedience, though it is in obedience to his will. Uh, we had to be careful with those words there. Yeah. Uh, so Jay, we've we've careful to parse it. Yeah, we've dallied a little bit. What is faith? Where? What do we mean? I'm returning. So, yes. Um, I think this has been a good exercise
0: to allow me to, um, <laughs> you know, now maybe consolidate some of these ideas we've talked about. So as we've said, it is a a trust, right? Not even a belief. It's more of a, a, a I would say it is a a trust in God that he is who he says he is. And in this case, you know, we we trust in the atoning work of Jesus on the cross. And that when he died and said, it is finished, that he was telling the truth that Mm -hmm. his work on the cross secured our salvation. Once for all, that there is no extra
1: participation cooperation on our behalf. Yeah, I like that. I think that's great. And and I re- what can I tell you? What I really like about that definition. Do it is how personal you made it. You used me. You used you. Because a, another knot that I just thought of is faith is not believing that Christ died on the cross. Faith is not believing that Christ died on the cross for sinners. Faith is also not believing Christ died on the cross for the church. Faith is not believing that Christ died on the cross for elect. Faith is believing that Christ died on the cross for you. Faith has to be personal. um, Because I, I, I will die on that hill. And that's a hill worth dying on is We can't see this as this theological thing where we just understand, oh, Christ dies for sinners. So let me pray a sinner's prayer uh, and not put together that, hey, faith is trusting that Jesus will make you clean. Not that just Jesus is somebody who cleans people, but he makes you clean. Um, Because I can say all day that Christ dies for sinners. And you know what I can also do in that entire day while claiming to be saved because I believe that? Trying to work my way to heaven. Uh, Faith is a trust in which you cast aside your works. That's faith alone, right? Faith alone is I, I am not justified. I am not sanctified. I am not glorified by my works alone. Uh, I am justified and I, I shouldn't have thrown sanctification in there. We can talk about that in another podcast because I don't think sanctification is monergistic to throw another word. crap! I just said a big word, Jay. So you didn't, you didn't call me on it, but I'm gonna call myself on it. Monergistic means one effort, one work. And therefore when we're talking about justification. Monergism is the idea that God does it alone. Uh, synergism means that you and God do it together. Uh, but that's not relevant, but I like. I think I like that we establish the calling each other on big words. It's fun, um, but I did forget exactly what I was talking about. Oh, um, yeah, when it's trusting that Christ is going to save you to save you, right? And and that's how I define it. My first sermon ever. Were you there for Romans five one through 11, one through Five at Great at Bridge. Uh, Great Bridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a fun time. Oh, that's right, because you guys celebrated my birthday after. That was awesome. DQ baby. Um, <laughs> yes. No. That that was another time. We went. It was a party at a uh, other house. Oh, that's right. Wow. That's not the You were there. Um, but I talk about this illustration of faith as, um, you hanging on a by a like a tree branch off of a cliff and, and faith is not holding onto the tree branch and holding onto the person. It is putting your entire weight on the arm that is lifting you up, putting your entire weight, not trying to scramble together, not trying to like, you grab my backpack and I'll pull myself up. It is putting every ounce. Like if you weigh 65, not 165 pounds, putting 165 pounds of weight on that arm and saying and faith is essentially complete trust for salvation uh it's not perfect trust but it's complete trust so i, I mean that's kind of where i'm coming from with faith does that all does that make sense jay mm-hmm. yes and so, so you you mentioned before
0: oh sorry no you go ahead well i was just gonna say i guess like it's also again important and i think we've kind of covered it what we've said thus far but like making sure we say that yeah like you know our faith what is the faith in right is it our faith is fully in the atoning work of christ on the cross for me myself i right like and yeah. the those right for for sinners right for um those yeah, we won't get okay. Um, uh, and what does it get us? Right. So, the idea of imputed. Mm. There's a word. Love that. Term. Um, imputed righteousness. Right where. You know what? I'm gonna call you on that. Yeah, that's imputed was, righteousness. Yeah, I was going to. I, I was getting there. That's why I said it. Oh, sorry. I qualified it. <laughs> um. Where again, like, it's not of our own doing, but like, again, when God looks at us, he sees Christ in a sense, right? Yeah. Where it's like, we are, we're recipients of his righteousness, do nothing of ourselves, yeah. right? But It is imputed to us, put in us. Am I yeah, saying that? it's
1: given to us. I mean, given
0: to us, you,
1: Christ's obedience in his earthly ministry and the earthly entire earthly life is imputed to us, given to us to our account uh, while our sin is given to him. That's imputed uh, sin. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's a, that's a very important part. Jay, can I ask you a question? Do it. And I think it's very similar to what you're, what you're talking about is so what is the relationship between faith and the atoning work on the cross? Because I think that sometimes I get confused, just myself, um, or actually, maybe I should ask like, is this something that you've ever gotten like confused about? Uh, where I mix up like, okay, what is salvation? Is salvation something Jesus did 2,000 years ago, or is, that, is salvation something I did when I got on my knees and prayed for Christ to, to save me? Uh, I don't know if you've ever thought that. Maybe I'm weird and I think about that kind of thing, but there is definitely a time where that very much confused me. Are you being confused right now? Yeah, I mean there's some implications
0: of all that. Yeah. That come from I think how you view other things, right? Like the doctrine of election, right? Mm. Um oh, we're we're not going there. I not, know, not i I'm like trying to like <laughs> think about how do I maybe discuss it without getting too much into
1: Laying your cards on the table. Well, not even that, but just like, you know, derailing the conversation completely. Yeah. Well, um, okay. Can I tell you what, what my thought was on that then? Yeah. Uh, is the reason I brought it up is because um, faith is the application of Christ's work on the cross to the person. That's why I'm so specific on it having to be uh, personal, right? Um, my pastor in Wake Forest has an amazing metaphor. It's silly, I admit, but it's silly in the most great explanatory way is, okay, there's a little boy on a skateboard and a truck's going by and he takes his backpack off and holds it out. And as the truck goes by, one of the backpack loops hooks onto, let's say like, uh, the, the back bumper. And immediately the skateboard takes off, right? And goes, and and so the skateboard is now going 45 miles per hour, just as the truck is going 45 miles per hour. And the question you ask yourself is, does the speed originate with the boy? No. Does the speed originate with the skateboard? No. Does the speed originate with the backpack? No. The speed originates with the truck, Right. And so this is his explanation. I love it. I, and I, I want to hear what you, your thoughts are on it. Um, faith is the tether between us and Christ. It is in itself not salvation. It is in itself not, um, it's not affecting us with salvation, right? It merely connects us to salvation in Christ. Uh, Luther puts it this way. Faith is the passive organ uh it is the re- passive reciprocal meaning receiving organ of salvation so he, he says it it's this organ in us the spiritual organ that that its function is merely to receive it receives salvation what do you think about that i know i've already flattered it a lot but it's okay if if, if you want to poke at it yeah that's really good i
0: I don't know. There's always, to some degree, right? It's like, I don't even know if I've given that much consideration to the inner working of them, right? But yeah, I think it's a very, again, helpful way to think about it. Um, But yeah, even, yeah, I I mean, very helpful, I think, (laughs) you know, uh, especially for people that are more visual types right to think about
1: skateboarders kind of, yeah <laughs> and backpackers and whatnot um backpackers and little children and dump truck and drivers. truck drivers yeah so yeah um it's very niche yeah no so I, but yeah i like it i bring it up just because i think that it's important when we're talking about faith alone and specifically what it looks like to be alone is that like faith is not this work that saves you it is, it is just a tether between you and Christ's work that saves you. Uh, and so we, it's important for us to think about faith that way. So when I trust Christ, just to bring this back home to what we were talking about before, when I trust Christ, uh, when I trusted, let's bring it into the real life, when I trusted Christ uh, to save me, uh, casting all my works aside, I did not. Do anything, and yet something amazing happened to me. Life was breathed into my lo- my life I, I the dead became alive, right I was made alive with God um I was reconciled to him before his throne I was given access to God like all of these amazing things i was i was just about as declared righteous, even though I clearly wasn't uh a Luther's favorite Latin term was is uh simul picare et Eustace, I believe, which is, uh, no, similarly Eustace at Picare, which is, uh, wall saint center. <laughs> you're, you're, I, you know, I'm both of those things, but the faith didn't do anything except for connect me to Christ. Uh, and can I confess Jay, what I'm doing right now is laying the groundwork for our next, n- not our next, but two weeks from now, solo Christus, solus Christus.
0: Yeah. I I was something I had to kind of be careful of in preparations to make sure I wasn't, you know, jumping too much into another realm, uh, one of the other solos. Yeah, and see, I I didn't care. I
1: just went straight for it.
0: But (laughs) perhaps um, all this faith talk, though, um, might lead someone to realistically ask, okay, like, what then is the relationship between faith and works? Because that's a very important question. The Bible is not silent on it. And in fact, again, it is not silent on it to the degree that, again, our Catholic pals kind of get it just contorted. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. And that's a good question. Um, And, and so maybe a, a question to begin with is why must faith be alone? You know, why are we arguing so strict for it? And let's put off the table just simply because scripture says, because there's, real life uh, of course scripture is real life but there there's some very evident personal reasons why faith must be alone right the first one being you cannot save you uh fakari quad in say is great if there was any uh quad to (laughs) fakari there's you know there's no good for like these good works are not laid up for me from my birth. Uh, Ephesians, I'll call you on to Ephesians two, nine, uh, that I believe it's two, nine, it might be two ten. Ephesians two, that the saved have works, good works laid up for them to do, uh, in salvation, right? They're saved and they do good works. I, so I think one reason why it must faith be alone is simply because we can't do it, uh, that we cannot save ourselves. Hence why Christ died while we were still sinners. Anything you want to add to that, Jay? I think you're right. Um,
0: I guess not a ton to add. No, keep trucking.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we can add the whole, it is in scripture, Ephesians 2, 8, same passage. <laughs> yeah, but maybe. Faith. Yeah, that might be a good place to um, just lay down a couple
0: quick places. I know we are getting a little short on time. But yeah, yeah, I mean, again, places like, again, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, I have written down, even like a little bit after that, with Galatians 2, 16, gets into that pretty good, right? About works of the law versus faith
1: alone type of stuff. But anyways, Uh, yeah, I would throw in Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. Uh, If you want a good definition, that's super confusing. But once you sit down with it, you might be able to... Work it out, and maybe Jay now covered in a podcast soon, or I'll cover it in an article, or somebody will. But Hebrews eleven one, faith is the substance of things hoped for, uh, it's a good one. Can I make a little caveat? I know we're short on time, but this is something that is really kind of important oh, yeah. uh, for those of you who like like to look at the Greek words. I know Jay, you do that, right? You you kind of peruse Greek from time to time just to get a grasp of what the passage is saying
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and what words maybe are repeated and all that something we've missed because of our English language is that the word belief in Greek and the word faith are the same word in most cases. So pistos is faith. Pistuo is belief. So when you see believe in the new Testament, often what it is is you're not believing you're faithing. So, you know, when we're talking about maybe let's say John, uh, John six, where, Those who believe in the sun have eternal life. Those uh, you might say, oh, that's belief. That's not faith. And I don't know who's saying that, but that's uh, that's actually the same term. And you got to be careful because there are times when it's not the same, but regularly Pistos and Pistu are together. Uh, So that's a little caveat, but I think it's helpful. So Jay, we we talked about works and and faith. Yeah, um, and I guess the main point I wanted to drive home with that was just again like the idea that we
0: think that it's like an offshoot, right? It, 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 is, a, it is a natural following of faith is good works, right? That like obviously the Bible speaks this quite a bit, like you know, faith without works is dead, the classic one, right? Um, that mm-hmm. while the works do nothing to again they do not count toward your credit of righteousness whatsoever or not toward your salvation whatsoever. Right? Like mm-hmm. it is a natural, uh, overflow of your faith, right? Because again, if you are truly transformed by the gospel message, right. And you come into an understanding of who God is, like, I think there is an, a, a hunger to know more about him and to do what is right. That, Will come as you continue to learn more about him, right? So it's kind of a uh a little cycle there. But yeah. We don't fundamentally think it's
1: attributable to any kind of salvific work. And I think so. I'm reading a book right now for my devotions. I, I like to read an appetizer. And yes, I call it an appetizer because I view everything in food terms, but I like to read an appetizer before I do my devotion. I'm reading one caught by Greg Gilbert called Assured, and he argues in in rightly, scripturally, so biblical, that when we're talking about assurance, which is very much related to faith and hope, um, there are two uh two driving assurances, which is the promises of God and therefore his character, and Christ's atoning work, right? So those are driving assurances because we trust I am saved. Uh, I I have faith in Christ alone, and I have faith that God, who has promised me salvation, will give me it. And then he argues that there is a confirming assurance, right? Not a a driving assurance, not something that we go back to to get more assurance, but a confirming assurance in good works. What he means by that, and I think it's helpful for our conversation, is what do you do with a believer who says, I have faith, but doesn't have any works? Well, I, I think that that is is cause to be very careful, to ask hard questions. Um, we don't play around with salvation. If somebody has no love for God uh, and, and they, they're throwing their burdens upon Christ so that they can get more burdens, then we have right to not just doubt but confront. But what do you do with the person, Jay, And and this is one thing that's so important to understand is what is the role between faith and works is we expect that f- that salvation will bring about a new man who is sanctified, who is every day being more and more conformed to the image of God. Calvin, one of my favorite lines from Calvin, people sometimes really view Calvin in this really bad light of this harsh and, and cruel man. Uh, one of his most tender moments to me is he wrote, that every day, taking a step towards Christ, every day taking a step towards the conformity to the image of God is good. Uh, and all we must do is look back and make sure that we have taken a step forward, right? He is, he's talking about this this sanctification doesn't always look like leaps and bounds. Sometimes it looks like crawling very slowly on the ground. Uh, and so when I'm talking about faith and works, I think I've rambled a little bit with this, but, uh, I think one of the main points to make is simply that we're talking about faith alone, but faith alone is never alone. Faith alone sparks works, but faith alone, but faith is not accompanied by works to bring us into relationship with God. I don't know if I'm being clear, Jay, what you want to kind of help me clear it all up? No, again, I think. I think it made sense to me.
0: Um you <laughs> well that's good. but again, ultimately, again, we view that our salvation once you know, once we put our faith in Christ is secured, right? Because of mm-hmm. Christ's toning work on the cross. And not that our our, our works again aren't on the, the Catholic ladder analogy, right? Like we're not Climbing yeah. up or climbing down, things like that. Um, so again, in that, in that regard, they're not bring us any closer or farther away from Christ, but mm. we do expect to see works as a, a natural
1: overflow of the Christian life. And why do we expect that? Because those who have been saved without doing any works— must probably love the savior who saved him that way uh and and have gratitude right uh romans 12 1 in light of the mercies of god right and then it switches into ethical teaching in light of the mercies of god do these things conform yourself to the image of christ transform and renew your mind present yourself as a living sacrifice uh Though we do works out of gratitude, not to earn more favor because it's not possible to earn more favor.
0: The way I've heard it described, right, is that like it's when you perhaps you go, you know, you are intentionally sinning despite your salvation. And the idea is that judicially, judicially, the fact that you can that you sin once you are saved, it does not affect your like judicial verdict before God, right? Like your salvation is still secured. However, it interrupts your like almost parental fellowship, right? And that like, you know, many people, I mean, think again, think of it in the context of a parent and child relationship, right? Like parents will generally always love their children, even if their children are, you know, wild and crazy and prodigal children. Yeah. But if they are, you know, out selling drugs on the street or whatever, there's going to be some friction in their fellowship, right? Like it's parents will still have a a love for that person, but it will be hard to have a great like intrapersonal relationship. And so
1: that's how I've kind of heard it described. Yeah. Yeah. If you hate the things that God is and then you expect to have fellowship with him, uh, that doesn't even make sense. You're you're not going to enjoy or be able to function in fellowship because you hate the things that are God and are like God and what God loves. So Jay, we're right at that hour mark. We are. What a. How do you want to wrap this up? Anything that you want to say just to sum this up, package it well. Obviously, you know we've solo fee Day, right? Salvation is through
0: Christ alone. I think. This is a glorious truth because, it again, it is what sets us apart from all other, quote-unquote, world religions. Yeah. The idea that it's not about what we have to do, but it's about what has been done. And obviously, all we've just talked about comes with that. But I think big picture, that's kind of a reason why this is important, a reason to take this away.
1: Yeah. What a what a marvelous salvation, right? Uh-huh. All right, well we will leave you uh with that. As always, thank you to Alex our our faithful editor of audio. We re- appreciate you. And um, we appreciate you the listeners whoever you may be. We uh you know Jay, I've I've really enjoyed when people have actually mentioned that they re- they've they listen to the podcast cuz I think you were the one who said it was that anytime someone tells you you listen, you think oh, I don't think anyone listens. Like, I didn't realize anybody did. Uh, which I, I think I'm in very much the same boat. So thank you, anyone who's been listening. If This is your first podcast uh, episode that you've listened to, or even if this is like, I think we've done eight. I think this is eight, maybe. No idea. If you've been with us from the beginning, we just want to say thank you. Uh, and, and hopefully this has been as beneficial for you as it's been an, a, a joy for us. So that'll close us out for this week. Come back next week for Sola Gratia by Grace Alone.